listening to Van Felden Duffy Legal News here on Waterberg Stereo. My name is Falke Kruger. The uh, email address that you can use to send us your comments and questions is info at vbd or van felden-duffy.co.za. I got Vaudette Gray with me here today again. Uh, she's been on the program a couple of times. Uh, uh, our regular listeners would have heard her before. So, uh, yeah, morning uh, or good afternoon, uh, depending on when you listen to the program, um, uh, Vaudette, uh, and thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure, Volker. It's nice to be here with you. And then it's a privilege to also welcome Thomas De Wett uh, from uh, De Wett and De Villiers Brokers. He's the CEO of, uh, of De Wett and De Villiers uh, Brokers. Uh, De Wett has, uh, uh, Thomas uh, has uh, got quite a... CV, he, uh, amongst others, uh, obtained an MBA from the University of Wales, specifically focusing on marketing and digital uh, strategy. He's got some uh, work experience in the IT industry in Europe, uh, Dell, Cisco, IBM, etc. But yeah, now he focuses on the insurance industry, short-term insurance, uh, etc. So uh, yeah, uh, uh, welcome to you, uh, Thomas, as well. Uh, thank you, Falker, and thank you, Valdet. It's a big honor and privilege to be on the show. Um, yeah, it's, I've been very fortunate enough that I made two of my passions uh, my day-to-day -day job. Uh, I love the IT industry, and I love the business side of insurance. And I think I'm uh, bringing something new to, to the market by looking at what challenges uh, is in the IT industry and how can the business world insure for it. So it's... Uh, it's, it's, it's a nice new world that's opening up, and obviously today we're going to talk about the Poppy Act, and suddenly my world becomes very relevant to, to our businesses out there. So I hope I have some value to add into the conversation today. Yeah, and obviously the other major factor at this time is the pandemic and the move to um, you know, do a lot of things, uh, a lot more things online. A lot of businesses now uh, are forced to um, go online, uh, maybe previously tried to avoid it, etc. So, uh, yeah, all of these IT uh, issues are becoming more and more relevant also in terms of uh, the law and uh, in terms of the insurance industry. So, uh, yeah, hopefully the listeners will find our discussion today interesting. But, yeah, as Thomas has mentioned, uh, we're talking about the Poppy Act, uh, access uh, to information, uh, direct marketing, how does it affect uh, businesses, how does it uh, affect consumers. Uh, the Poppy Act... Uh, it's uh, used uh, a lot, the abbreviation, but but what, did, what does it actually stand for? Okay, Volker, the Poppy Act stands for the uh, Protection of Personal Information Act, and a large portion of it um, actually came into effect a long time ago. It's been coming since 2013 already, but um, recently now, the, the biggest portion of the Act came into effect now on the 1st of July. Okay, and what has changed? What is now new? Okay, so as I said now, the Act is actually South Africa's data privacy law, which regulates the protection of your personal information. So um, prior to Poppy, the protection of your personal data was not regulated by legislation, and now it is. So now Poppy is criminalizing certain actions, like when you do not properly protect the data that you hold, and it, um, or when it is hacked, and, or even when you share it um, without someone's consent. Okay. Uh, criminalizing it so you can be charged criminally. You can go, you know, to jail for it. 
Yes, there um, is certain offences in the Act, um, as I said now, and if you do not comply with it, there's fines of up to 10 million rand, and you can also be jailed for, for not adhering to it. Okay, and it relates to personal um, information, is that right? Yes, so can let's quickly discuss what is our personal information. So, like the wording says, it is all of the information that is personal to you. For example, your name, your surname, your ID number, address, your race, your sexual orientation, marital status, absolutely all of the information which relates to you specifically. That is um, your personal information, and that is what organizations now have a duty to to, to secure properly so that it's not hacked by third parties or even... Um, they cannot even give it to direct marketers anymore. Okay. And if they uh, do so, that could potentially then be a criminal offence. Is, is that, uh, that right? Yes. Yes, that's okay. correct. Thomas, your take on this uh, personal information, you know, why the big fuss, I guess, the question could be? Yeah, thanks, Volker, and thanks for outlining that very, very nicely, Valdette. Um, maybe just to piggyback on what Valdette said there, is personal information is so big, I don't think we have actually gasped how big it is because I did mention there are a few things that is personal, but if you go further, it's your medical record, your financial records, your criminal record, employment history. Uh, we talk about your address, uh, ID numbers. Um, there's so much that, that involves personal information. Uh, I think uh, biometric information. These days, when you fly abroad, or we can't fly now, but if you're able to fly again, your, your eye is scanned, your, your finger prints are scanned in, and we look at CCVT cameras um, that are stored. Um, take CVs. How many people have you interviewed that never worked, that never actually works at your organization, but you still have their personal information years later? Um, we talk about COVID regulations. How many times have you in the last three months walked into an organization where you have to give your ID number, your phone number, your name, your surname, and, 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 and it's incredible of the information that companies have just of you as a person. And, and, and the unfortunate thing of our, 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 our future or the fortunate thing is everything is digitized. So everything is somewhere on a laptop, on a smart device, on a server, on a hard drive. And that opens so many possibilities for what I did say is, is if you leak that information out, you're going to be in big trouble if you leak that information out. And the one thing that always jumps into mind is, is if, if you look at a company, is who is the company? So people are like, am I falling under this, this umbrella of, 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 of the, the Poppy Act? Yes, if you're an organization and you have an internal IT system, question one, yes. If you're an organization that stores, processes, data, information, all the personal information, we talked about it, yes, you are in for a big surprise in 12 months. Because all that information now is is is, is kept on your on, 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 on your server, on your smartphone, and if that leaks out, um, you can be criminalized in, in, in many ways. Um, two of the things that just pop up, I think we'll always look at examples. Um, we don't have examples in South Africa yet, but in the UK, the NHAs in the UK had a 300 million pound fine because they leaked out uh, patient information, um, and it was not even them. They upgraded the system, so all the old uh, laptops and PCs were outsourced to a third company. They outsourced again to a third company. One of the employees took out the hard drives and thought it would be a great thing to sell them on eBay, and suddenly person, uh, people's personal information was out in the public domain. 
Um, and, and, and that's a big concern. And we don't, and that's why we have 12 months to get our, our act together. And, and we don't want at this stage to be caught with our pants down in 12 months' time. Just explain the 12 months. Why, why 12 months? Is that uh, in the act or what? Yeah, so um, the, 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 the Poppy Act has, as, as Odette said, has been in conversation or gave a long birth since 2013. Uh, but this year, I think it was, if I'm correct, Odette, on, in July, uh, the president mm -hmm. said that, that we have uh, 12 months to get our act together. So people have 12 months to do their homework. And I can maybe talk a bit later uh, wh what kind of homework you can do. But we have 12 months to get our homework in, in, in place. So in 12 months' time, in the next 12 months, let's be fair enough, you're going to have bad publicity and you're going to get slap on the fingers. But in 12 months' time, the slap on the fingers is going to change to a, a, a nice free stay in, in prison or to a nice donation uh, to the regulator. I would think that uh, very few businesses would, can I just say, I think uh, very few businesses would actually be excluded. Is that right? Uh, um, uh, um, I mean, because pretty much any business does have personal information on their, on their clients. Is it not about it? Would you agree? Yes, I agree. If I can jump in there. So Thomas mentioned that if you are an organization and you hold personal information, you have to comply with this act. But the act applies to all individuals and organizations in South Africa that processes personal information. So even if you are the... Um, even if you are one person taking a, a, a child a caretaker and you only have one child in your care, you have that child's information somewhere and you have an obligation to make sure that it is safe. So um, if you permanently live in South Africa or if your personal information is processed in South Africa, you have to comply with Poppy. Now, yet, as you mentioned, Volker, there is um, certain instances where you don't have to comply with Poppy, and that is if you are processing information purely for a personal reason or as a household. So obviously, um, myself as a mother, I don't need to, to adhere to Poppy because I have the personal information of my household. And if you are processing information for journalistic, literary, literary or artistic expression, then you also don't need to comply with Poppy. And there that you'll just need to, the journalists will just need to ensure that they, um, you know, properly balance the right to freedom of speech and the right to information with your, your um, right to have your personal information properly protected. All right. Uh, so what as a business do you now do to deal with this new act? Uh, I guess you need to make sure from an IT point of view, uh, Thomas, that, that yeah, all your systems are properly protected, that you take all reasonable steps, that you're not being hacked, uh, uh, et cetera. Absolutely. And that's a great question, Volker. Um, the first thing is, uh, so a cat has nine lives. Unfortunately, 12 months, we're not going to have nine lives. You're going to have one chance. And um, the first thing is, is you have to plan. So a journey begins, um, every journey begins of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So first of all, companies have, need to have an incident response plan. So th they need to sit down and say, okay, what are the processes? If we're being hacked, that's going to be followed. And what are the processes to prevent us from being hacked? So it's the same with, with, with Corona. So you can absolutely do all the measures. You can sanitize, you can keep your social distancing, you can um, wear a mask and a visor. But doesn't prevent you from getting the coronavirus. And, and the IT world is exactly the same. You can do everything, but it's not going to prevent you from, from, from being hacked. And that we'll uh, jump into a bit later. But then once you've got your plan, you need to implement the plan. 
then you need to test the plan. You need to communicate all these um, actions and plans to your staff members. Then you need to audit your system. So it's not a system that you start in the beginning of the year and say like, great, we've done it, tick box done, we're fine for the next two to three years. And the big thing here is you need to get experts in. Um, your company is great in doing what they do, but you're not focusing on what are the measures of, of preventing myself from being hacked. You don't know what are the threats out there. So that's always get an IT expert in to look at it and to, to help the listeners to think about it. There are two things that you need to look. The one is the organizational process and the other one is the technical process. Now, the organizational process is what is your in-house rules? Example, um, how many times a month do you change your password? Do you use USB protection? How do people access your network? Um, you've spoken to just now about COVID-19. People are working from ho home. Suddenly, companies were forced to let people work from home. Are they using their own devices? Um, are these devices secured in a way that when you have personal information from your customer and you, you load it onto a personal computer home that has no security, no firewall, so you're opening yourself up for, for really some hot water there. Um, the next thing is, um, just give an example. Uh, how many times have you worked into organization? And or even at home, and you walk in the driveway, or you walk in the in the pipe, uh, parking lot. Is like, hey, here's a flash drive. Someone must have lost it. Um, and that's what example, but criminals do. They walk into an organization, leave five to ten flash drives in the in the toilet, in the lobby, in the kitchen, everywhere. Someone's going to pick it up and stick it into a, into a, a, a laptop and find out what it is. And that's how they get access to your network. So that is the organizational thing. The technical part is this is you can do it in-house or outsource. And this is where you need to sit down with knowledgeable people and say like, okay, what do I need to have in place to, get, to make myself secure? And when we talk about cyber crime, we talk about a cyber insurance policy. And this is where the insurance policy has done great work. They have actually set up a minimum requirements document to help you to select, where do I start? Well, here's a document. You need to have all of these um, processes and um, technical uh, implications in place for you to actually start looking at a cyber policy. It, it, so it, it helps a customer to start thinking what needs to be in place, even if it's in-house or ex uh, um, uh, they, they outsource it. And again, so and I'm coming to what yes, I did. Well, did that is actually wonderful because the app does not uh, specify what specific measures you have to take. It only says that you need to take reasonable um, measures to secure the information in your possession. So such a checklist will really be helpful to a lot of companies out there. So if you do consider maybe insurance, then I guess uh, further benefit that you would have uh, whilst going through that process of obtaining the insurance is, you know, working through that checklist. Uh, so, you know, uh, you're actually uh, achieving that uh, as well by, by securing your systems, by following the guidelines and the requirements of, of the insurers. Uh, would you agree with that, Thomas? Uh, absolutely. So there's actually uh, two things, Volker, um, what we as an organization started to. So we've implemented our own checklist in conjunction with three or four companies out there. So guys, these are the things you need to look first. And then we give these to an IT company that does the, the company of the company or in-house. In so let's start with that. The second thing that we do, we knew, we, we call it an ethical hacking um, or in terms of the IT world, a vulnerability scan. So you, we get an organization that ethically hacks the, the, the company and they see can I get via in via email? Can I get through the mail server? Can I get through the website? And then they write a long report and they tell the customer, look here, 
one or two ports are not closed. That's what we find out. Um, and you give a nice overview of the company, what is from a technical point of view. Remember, I spoke about two things, organizational and technical. So this is from a technical point of view, because you can have all the technical capabilities in place. But if if you leave your password and your and your username on your desk or you write it out on your in, in, in your in your in your notebook and someone takes a notebook, all those measures help nothing. So it, it, it it's two things that work hand in hand. But to answer your question, those are the two things. A get a minimal requirements list and B do an ethical hacking on the organization to see if there's any vulnerabilities uh, in your organization. I think that is a dream job for any IT guy is ethical hacking. Eh? Nice challenges that they have. <laughs> it's it all day, but you yeah. feel bad about it. Not, not committing any crime, helping uh, actually the companies to to find uh, the vulnerabilities. No? Um, Absolutely. Okay, so, yeah. So so um, and and then obviously the other uh, thing that one can then consider as a business is taking out insurance so that you do have cover cover for uh, in case something uh, does happen. Absolutely. Um, I, I think I always, the example that I use, if, if we talk about insurance, think about your personal policy. You have a house and what do you do to protect your house? You put a fence around it, you put an electric fence maybe, electric gate, you put burglar bars, you put an alarm system, you put all of those things in. Why? To protect your assets. It doesn't prevent a burglar to, to still steal all your stuff. And it's the same with, with, with insurance. So you can do all the measurements. You can have all the organizational uh, protocols in place. You can have all from a, from a technical point of view. But somehow, someone can still steal things. And that's where the Poppy Act explains it very nicely. It's like, if it's intentional or accidental, you're going to face severe penalties. And this, these are red lights that, that need to go on. So from insurance point of view, all these red lights that go onto a Poppy Act and what uh, well, that spoke about, the personal information that can leak out, you can assure against it. And if you want me, Volker, do you want me quickly to summarize the kind of things you can protect yourself against? Yeah, please do so. And, and I guess the question also might be, is it is it very expensive? Because, I mean, in, in the world we live in, I guess there are high risks. No? There, there's a lot of hacking happening, a lot of uh, uh, personal data is stolen, uh, et cetera. There are a lot of vulnerable systems out there. So, um, yeah, yeah, please, please uh, give us some more information on that, uh, Thomas. Perfect. So what I normally try to do is to explain with an example. And, and all the examples that I always use are real-life examples. So they're not made up. So before I jump into what you can insure against, think about this. A customer came to me. It wasn't a customer of ours, but a potential customer came to us and said, Tom, I think red light are going on in my company. I've been sued because someone leaked information out of my business. So he's got a garage. And what do they do? People come to him and say, listen here, can I open an account with you? Yes, of course you can. And they do a normal check on the customer. So three pay slips, ID number, where does he work, where does he stay, photos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's your normal check that they did. And he had those on his computer in his garage. And his computer was stolen. But he didn't think a lot about it, so he just replaced and he moved on. Now, six months later down the line, a person went to a garage and wanted to buy a vehicle. He said, sorry, sir, you can't purchase this vehicle because you're not creditworthy. And when in, in a long story short, he went out and said, like, why am I not creditworthy? And said, like, because you bought a car at that dealership and three payments didn't go through. You bought two cell phones that didn't go through. You've got numerous clothing accounts that you haven't paid one payment for. And all of this was about half a million rand of, of um debt that he accumulated. He said, but none of these things are mine. 
And then it came out that this customer was a client of their, that garage, and that information that leaked out on that PC was then obviously uh, identity theft. A fraudster had picked it up, and he actually went and opened accounts on numerous clients' uh, um, accounts. So think about it. You ask me if it's, in, if it's expensive. Cyber insurance is actually compared to all other insurance is not expensive at all. But what I'm trying to say here is that can you afford to have a legal case against you of that magnitude? Because identity theft, you don't know what you don't know. If, if, if one of the things they cover is if you've got 100 rand in the bank and they steal 100 rand, you know your loss is 100 rand. With identity theft, you don't know what the bill at the end of the day is. So I just wanted to settle that uh, in, in that light and, and to think about how expensive is, is cyber insurance. Then what can you insure for? So first of all, we look at first party. So you get regulation fines, business interruption, data restoration, um, outsource of service provider. This is where you put your data into a third party and they mess it up, but you're still liable for it. And that's what the Poppy Act says. It doesn't care who, who you give the data to, you are the responsible party for it. Then obviously financial losses, money for yourself or money that you are um, responsible for, payment card industry fines and penalties and phone freaking, which is uh, a term that not a lot of people know, but in a long story short, it's if someone hacks your phone system and they, and they make calls on, on your bill. And then physical damage uh, of your, your computer systems. Um, then the third party, and this is where I sometimes say it's not a cyber insurance policy, it's a liability policy. And when you talk about liability, you go hand in hand with Poppy. And the third party is privacy liability. This is liability claims arising from compromising your information from your customers. Network security liability. It's liability claims affecting systems, data, uh, that's causing harm to, 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 to you or the third party or third party that you're responsible for. And then the last one, which a lot of people don't think about, which is almost for me the most important, and, and that's the incident response cost. So you think about it, um, you need to obtain legal advice. So you've just been hacked. So you need to obtain legal advice. Who's going to forfeit that bill? Um, build public relationships, IT forensic uh, advice. So all of these things suddenly are going to cost you money, but you need to have them in place. You don't want to be hacked and then suddenly start finding who's going to help you with this. So you think about the forensic investigation. Uh, what's the cause of the incident? Um, what's the extent of the damage? The volume of the data that's been compromised? Um, how to contain or repair the damage? Uh, and then guidance and measurements from not happening it again. And then you think about the press. So someone heard your, your data has been leaked and it's all over the press, all over social media. So you need a spokesman that's going to uh, talk for you with the media and the press or on social media or one of your people need training how to deal with the press. Um, and then the most important thing is how are you going to communicate this to your parties? Um, you need to, to, to your customers, remember these are loyal customers. They may be 20, 30 years your customer. These are third parties. You walked a long way with them and now you need to deal with them and it's like, I leaked your personal information out. And then obviously, how do you protect them that it's not happening again? And, and, and that incident response is, 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 is for me, when, when, when you read this, the Poppy Act goes up everywhere. So everywhere where you look at the Poppy Act, where you're liable. And that's why I say sometimes, um, for me, the Poppy Act is a liability act because you're going to be liable for a lot of things. And the insurance policy is not a, a cybercrime policy. It's a liability policy. So does that make sense, Volker? 
Yeah, I guess like with any insurance, the decision that any business owner needs to take is, um, yeah, whether you want to save on the premiums or rather pay the premiums and have the peace of mind that if something happens, and I think it's it's clear that there's a considerable risk that it can happen, then then at least you know that you covered and, and you should be okay. So yeah, I think there's a motivation to to avoid the civil uh, liability uh, for damages suffered by by anybody uh, whose information was indeed uh, leaked. And then, of course, also the uh, motivation now from the side of the act um, to avoid the criminal uh, persecution if, if, if you do leak any information. Uh, but what did, maybe I can just ask you on that one. Um, you won't be liable criminally, um, can't be charged criminally, if you took all reasonable steps and there was still a breach of your systems and a leak of personal information. Is that right? Yes, Walker, that is that is correct. So if you can prove that you um, adhere to the Act in the sense that you took the reasonable step to secure your information, the Act also says that you have to do um, proper, proper testing to ensure that your safety measures are working and then adapt your safety measures on a regular basis as you go along. So if you can prove that you did all of that and um, you could not reasonably foresee that you the information could be hacked, then you will not be held liable. Okay, so that's maybe from a business point of view. Uh, maybe just finally, we, we're running out of time from a, from the point of view of the customer. What has now changed? What can you now uh, do uh, about it? Um, if, if your information is leaked, if, if uh, you are aware thereof, of, uh, what can you now do? So the Act also gives um, individuals specific rights in that regard. So if your information is held by a third party, you have certain rights. So for instance, the first important right is you have the right to be notified that personal information about you is being collected. Um, this is this is the obvious cookie notices that we receive when you go onto a website. That's why it's popping up because they have an obligation to inform you of that. Um, they also have to inform you of the information, the type of information that they are collecting and the name and address of the party that collects the information. You then also have a right to be notified when there's a breach of your information. So important here, um, if you are an organization or an individual holding um, um, personal information, then you need to notify the regulator as well as all affected parties once there is a hack. Um, I, you will re recall a few years ago, there were there was a large life insurance com uh, company. I just I'm not sure about the name, so I don't want to um, you know cause damage to the name to the wrong company. But it was all over the news as well that the uh, that their services were hacked and and so on. And um, that is obviously they had to do that. Nobody wants to do that. You have an obligation to do that. Then you also have a right to request a copy of your personal information that is kept. And then if you see that it's um, not correct, then you have a right to request them to correct it or even delete it from the system if it's no longer necessary for them to hold it. I always say the golden rule for companies and organizations holding personal information is do not hold personal information that you do not need. So if you are a online shop selling earrings, for instance, do not request information like the sexual orientation of the people. In those circumstances, you only can take the information that you need. You only need the name, address, um, uh, you know, and the delivery details of the of the individual. And if you, because there's such a large burden on companies to protect the information now that you don't want to keep things that you don't actually need. And then the second part of that rule is don't keep anything for longer than is actually necessary for you, um, because you have the obligation to secure that. 
You also then have a um, right to submit a complaint to the regulator if your information is being processed without your consent or if it's not properly protected. And then, as we've now talked about, you may institute legal proceedings against organizations that do not adhere to the Act. So a very important piece of advice for everyone out there. The Act specifically say that information which is made public by you is not protected. So all of the things that we post on, on social media, none of that is protected. Make sure that you also protect your own information because you cannot hold someone liable um, for, for, for using the information that you put out there to the public. Okay. And you can obviously also go to the police and uh, lay a criminal charge if your um, personal information was indeed leaked or would you rather suggest that one approaches the regulator first? Yes, approach the regulator, they will then um, proceed with the necessary steps and take the matter further. And their contact details, I guess, would be on their website, no? So if you search for that, you should be able to find uh, all those details. Yes, what, what we can do is our, we have a page on our website where we have the information of certain ombudsmen and regulators. So I will make sure that we also put the information on there. All right, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, maybe any final comments from your side, uh, Thomas? Yeah, thanks, Volker. Uh, thank you very much, Valdet. I think it was a very informative conversation. Um, just to um, uh, link myself there to what I did said is when you talk about data, um, remember data goes from cradle to grave. So you need to also make sure if you collect data, once you don't need it anymore, because it might be that you need it for a time, and then after five years, you don't, it's irrelevant. You don't need it anymore. The, your, your regulator tells you you need to, to, to um, hold data for at least five years. Then you need to have a process also to get rid of it. Don't let it lie on servers and, 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 and files for years and years. So your plan needs to have, when you talk about personal information, from cradle to grave. That's the one thing. And the last thing, which maybe is not very relevant, but it's going to be relevant in the future, Volker, you talked about COVID-19. We're all going to work from home. There's a new policy now that people can also look for a personal liability cyber insurance. And that is suddenly, I'll give an example, one of the things that it covers is the kids work from home, they learn from home, they have homeschooling, and suddenly the kids are online all the time. So kids and parents are open to cyberbullying, for example. Um, your, your personal account. So the, 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 it's not really part of the Poppy Act, but the thing is we are going online and we are digital and, and that's the future. So be aware that not just in your business life, but in your personal life, um, you're going to have challenges as well. And especially look after the, the youngsters that are, are evolving into this new world of what we all call the new norm. And we don't know how long it's going to take, but we are out there on the digital world and, and we need to be aware of the, the challenges out there. All right. Yeah, no, fascinating discussion, I would I would think. Uh, thanks a lot once again, uh, Thomas. Thanks, uh, uh, Vardit. Uh, and thanks for listening, uh, our listeners. That's all we have uh, time for today. Remember, our email address is info at vvd.co.za. Thanks for uh, listening. Uh, make sure that you tune in again next week, Wednesday, between 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock also on Friday evenings.